0: May the 19th of the year 1780 is known as New England's Dark Day. It was a day that started out just like any other day except uh, as the day progressed the sky started to darken and it went from blue to dark blue to black by noontime and it was so dark that they were using candles uh, for light in the middle of the day. And so you can, uh, you can sort of guess how people were responding to this phenomenon that was happening. People were terrified. They thought that this was the end of the world. And people began to fall on their knees and, and cry out to God before the end came. And the primary cause of this event is, is believed to have been some, some forest fires and that was mixed with a fog and sort of a cloud cover. But this darkness was so complete uh, that it, it darkened the land for the rest of that day and all throughout the next day as well. And so as this began to happen there in uh, New England, it was in Connecticut, the House of Representatives was in session at this time. And so all the, the representatives from across the state were there and they began to, to call for the, the session to adjourn, that they needed to go and, and, uh, and get out of there because the end was coming. And Colonel Davenport, uh, who was the Speaker of the House, stood up and he silenced all of them and he said these words. He says, the day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. He says, if it's not, then there's no cause for us to adjourn. But if it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. So bring in some candles and let's keep getting to work. I choose to be found doing my duty. That was his... His hope, that was his aspiration, that if this was the end, if Jesus was about to return, he wanted to be busy doing what he was supposed to be doing. And it causes us to pause for a minute and to say, are we being faithful to what we are called to do as followers of Jesus? It's the message for today's passage as we continue through Galatians this series called No Other Gospel. Today we're going to be talking about gospel fidelity. So if you have your Bibles, i ask that you stand in honor of God's word. If you are able, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The word of God says, Then after fourteen years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to a revelation... And presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment, so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Now, from those recognized as important, what they once were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. So when James and Cephas and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Thank you. You may be seated. Today as we study this passage of scripture, we're going to break it down into two parts. And we're going to look at fidelity to the message and fidelity to the mission that God has given to us. And so the first thing that we see here is that we are called to be faithful to the message. This was Paul's concern in verse 2. He says, "I went up according to the revelation, presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles, privately to those recognized as leaders. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running in vain. So Paul is reminding these Galatians about the early part of his ministry as an apostle. And what was very important to him was that he was being faithful to the message. He says, I went up to Jerusalem with his ministry partners, with Barnabas, with Titus. He met with the church leaders there and he shared with them at this meeting. Now, who is this meeting with? It was with the disciples of Jesus, who are now the, the early church leaders there in Jerusalem, Peter, James, and John. And he shares with them, this is the gospel that I'm preaching. When I am out in uh, the remotest parts of the earth, this is what I'm proclaiming to them. And he says, I, I, I shared with them what I was preaching to the Gentiles because I wanted to be sure that I was not running in vain. In other words, he says, I want to make sure that what I'm sharing is correct. I want to make sure that this is the gospel, that there there had to be fidelity to the gospel. And this has been an issue in the history of the church at different points and different times. Back in the 1800s, the early 1900s, the American church was rattled by uh, textual criticism that had come over from continental Europe and and Darwin's theory of evolution that that had become very popular. And so Bible scholars began to ask questions about the Bible like this. Are we supposed to believe the miracles of the Bible or are these just allegorical stories that are supposed to teach us a moral? They began to ask questions like, uh, are, are, can we really believe the Bible? And they begin to tear apart various texts of the Bible, affirming certain passages as historically accurate and other passages as just traditions that had been fabricated over time. Eventually, they begin to ask questions like, "Who is Jesus really?" They begin to ask questions like, "Can we really believe in the resurrection?" And they attempted to unravel the tenets of the Christian faith. And certain churches drifted away from the Bible altogether. In fact, recently a church over in Nashville has made a lot of headlines because they're putting out these statements that the Bible is not the word of God. And so all of these things that you've seen take place throughout history is why Jude wrote in Jude verse 3, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation that we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. To contend for the faith. Now this drift that was happening theologically among the American church at large also was happening among Southern Baptist churches at that time in our history. And our seminaries were teaching a lot of these things to pastors that were going there to be trained back in the early 1900s. But our convention settled these questions in what was called the battle for the Bible during the conservative resurgence of the 1980s. And Southern Baptists turned back from drifting to return to the truthfulness of Scripture. And we believe that the Bible really is the Word of God. And we believe that it's inerrant and that it's infallible. We believe that you can stake your life on it. And we've remained faithful to this message. We've held the Bible up and said, this is what we're going to live by. I had a lady one time at one of my churches that came up and she was sort of complaining to me that, you know, my preaching was kind of boring because all I did was just go through the Bible. And I said to her, that... You just paid me the best compliment that you could ever give because that's really all that I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to go through the Bible. But instead of fidelity to the gospel, a lot of churches have propped up other messages that they think is relevant or that will get people's attention. To look at some churches, you would think that the message is just a marriage conference. You would think that the message is just a parenting clinic. You would think that the message is a a self-help seminar. You would think that the message is some sort of political rally. But the message that we have been given is that the Son of God came to earth and that he lived a pure and a holy life. That he died on the cross as a substitute for our sins, that he was raised on the third day as the conqueror of sin and death, and he offers forgiveness of sins to, and salvation to all who will trust in him by faith to save them. This is the message. Does the Lord teach us how to love each other in marriage? Absolutely. Does the Lord teach us how to raise our children? Yes. Does the Lord teach us that our identity and our self-worth is found in Him? Definitely. Does the Lord teach us how to have a biblical worldview on various issues? Sure. But the primary message and the only message that gives life and salvation is the gospel. And the gospel message will then work itself out in every other facet of our lives as we seek to live for Jesus. But we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that was precisely Paul's concern in this passage. In verse 4 and 5, he says, This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. And so Paul, Paul says, listen, this is why we did this. This is why I went to Jerusalem and was making sure that I was preaching the gospel because there were some people who came from Jerusalem, who came down to our church and was telling us that in order to really be saved, we needed to be circumcised. In order to really be saved, you needed to follow the Jewish dietary laws. In order to really be saved, you had to do all these other things. And so he says, I wanted to make sure that what I was preaching was really the gospel. They were trying to enslave us to this life of works-based salvation. He says, but we didn't submit to them for even a moment. We remained faithful to the message. We held the gospel up high, and we didn't allow anything to creep in and corrupt the message. Why, he says, he says to this church at Galatia, so we could preserve the gospel for you. Because you need this good news. A corrupted gospel won't save you. And so we contended for the faith. And we have to have this same fidelity to the gospel message. We can't allow secondary things or tertiary things to move to the place of primary importance alongside the gospel. For example in our culture today, we can't make whether a church requires masks or doesn't require masks to be the most important thing. We can't make whether a church is playing the music I like or is not playing the music I like to be the most important thing. We can't make whether a church is speaking more or is speaking less about racial injustice to be the most important thing. You see, I get complaints from both sides on all of those issues. But those aren't the most important things. We're going to prayerfully and carefully and thoughtfully work through all those issues as a church. And we'll do as we feel like the Lord is leading us and what we think is best and we'll move forward. But where we rally as the church is the gospel. It's the most important thing. But unfortunately, these aren't, These aren't the things that, that's not the thing that churches are known for today. How many of you have ever seen someone on social media ask, Where can I find a church that isn't requiring masks? Or where can I find a church that's playing a certain type of music? Have you ever seen someone say, Where can I find a church that's faithfully preaching the gospel? Have you ever seen someone ask that question? And that's because these are how churches are identified in our country. This is a mass church. This is not a mass church. This is a woke church. This is a contemporary church. This is a traditional church. What about this is a gospel church? Because it's the gospel that wins the day. I mean, we could we could make a plan regarding COVID protocols that everybody agrees was a perfect plan and it still wouldn't save anybody. We could plan a worship service with music that everybody agreed was the perfect music and it still wouldn't save anybody. We could take a stand against racial injustice that everybody agreed was the perfect stance and it still wouldn't save because only the gospel can do that. So we have to remain faithful to The message, it's of primary importance. But we see secondly here in this passage that we're called to be faithful to the mission. In verse 9, Paul writes, When James and Cephas and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and to Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles, they would go to the circumcised. Now, this meeting is an important meeting that Paul has. And he brought Titus along with him, and I think he brought him along with him for a reason. Because Titus was a Gentile who had come to faith in Christ. But in verse 3, he says, Not even Titus, who is with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. And so Titus was a follower of Jesus, but he had not been circumcised like these Judaizers told him that he would had to be. So when Paul brought Titus along, he was going to find out whether or not he was running in vain. If Peter and James and John did not extend fellowship to Titus, then he knew that this was a different gospel. But that's not what happened. We find that they did receive him as a brother. And we learn that the the mission is to live out this message and to proclaim it wherever we go. And so after this meeting with the Jerusalem leaders, they came away with a plan. Paul's going to go to the Gentiles and they're going to go to the Jews. And they're going to go out with this gospel message to fulfill their gospel mission. They're not going to turn away from their assignments. They're not going to neglect the work that's been given to them. They're going to be faithful to the mission. What if Paul had said, Nah, I'm not really feeling going to the Gentiles. What if he said, I'm not going to do that or uh, I'm too busy or, or whatever this excuse might be? Then there would be no Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians or Corinthians because he was supposed to go to the Gentiles. But there are all those churches because he was faithful to his mission. And we have been given a mission assignment as a church. God saw fit to plant Wallace Memorial Baptist Church on Merchants Drive in Knoxville, Tennessee for such a time as this. And when he sees the shifting culture, when he sees all the hurt, when he sees all the ravages of sin, he's not up in heaven worried because he says, I have my people there to bring hope. He says, and they're going to invade Knoxville with the good news. And they're going to reach out to the nations with the message that Jesus saves. And so we can't say, I don't feel like it. Or I don't want to. Or I'm too busy. Or I'm whatever the excuse might be. Because every minute that we get sidetracked is a minute that we're not focused on the gospel mission. And the mission is too important for that. Because there are billions of people around the world who are dying every single day without Jesus. And they're going to spend eternity in hell suffering for their sins. There are literally lives at stake when we don't get this right. So we can't waste our time on things that don't matter eternally. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He so said, this is why I'm here. This is my mission, and I am here to fulfill it. And we have to remain faithful to the gospel mission as well. So what are we going to do? Our strategy is to send out these E-teams all over our city all the time with the gospel. So that on every day of the week, we're out sharing the gospel. In every corner of the city, we're out sharing the gospel. To every people group, we're out sharing the gospel. Because the Bible teaches us that those who sow sparingly are going to reap sparingly, but those who sow abundantly are going to reap abundantly. And so we are praying and seeking God for an abundant harvest of those who don't know him to come to faith in him. And so that's going to require of all of us to go out and to be faithful to the mission that God has given to us. It isn't for somebody else. It's for you and it's for me. It's interesting what these church leaders did say to Paul, though, at the end of their meeting. In verse 10, they asked only that we would remember the poor. Which I had made every effort to do. It's interesting, isn't it? That's just the one thing that they said make sure you do this. Make sure that you remember the poor. Because what's the one thing that a lot of churches today forget? The poor. When church planners are getting excited about going to plant a church, where do they go plant it? In the suburbs among the affluent and the important and the powerful. And those poor people certainly need the gospel, but we also have to remember the poor because this message is also for them, for the disenfranchised, for the broken, for the outcast, for the hurting. And that's really what I love about our Merchants Drive team. Their mission is to go right outside of these doors, right out onto this street, To help the people that are hurting on Merchant's Drive. To the homeless. To the addicted. To the ones who have been forgotten. And they're saying to them, Jesus loves you. This gospel message is for you. Our church is for you. And the word on the street is that Wallace is doing something to help the hurting on Merchants Drive. Word is getting out around town. I'm hearing it from shop owners, from government officials, from other groups that are helping the homeless, and the word is that Wallace cares and is doing something. We're talking about what a church is known for. What I want more than anything is for Wallace Memorial Baptist Church to be known in our community as a church that is sold out for taking the gospel to Knoxville and to the nations. More than being known for any program that we have, more than being known for any minister that's on staff, more than being known for any event that we do, I want us to be known for being faithful to the mission, that we're sold out for taking the gospel to Knoxville and to the nations. I choose to be found doing my duty. What about you this morning? As we move into a time of response, there's going to be leaders here at the front. We're going to stand and sing in just a minute. And Christians, what what we have to ask in our hearts is am I being faithful to the message? Are we really trying to keep the main thing the main thing? Are we going to be faithful to this mission? Are we going to say, "Ah, that's not for me, that's for somebody else to do? It's time for us to go and to do it. And so maybe you want to spend some time at this altar in prayer, there at your seat in prayer, committing these things in your heart unto the Lord. There might be others here this morning who recognize that you don't have this relationship in your heart that we're talking about. You've not received this gospel This gospel that says, good news to you, that although you have sinned against God and although your sin separates you from God and although the penalty for your sin is death, that today you can have life instead because the Son of God came to earth and he lived a perfect life in your place and he died on the cross as your substitute and he died your death, but on the third day God raised him from the dead so that you can have hope today so that you can have life today, that you can have forgiveness from your sins today, and you can receive this good news in your heart by repenting or turning from your sin and calling on Jesus to forgive you today. Today, I want you to know that Jesus loves you, that this message is for you, that our church is for you. And so if this is what God is saying into your heart today, then I want you to come and to share with one of these leaders across the front that you want to trust in Jesus today as the savior of your life. But however God is at work in you today, now's the time for us to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, this gospel changes everything. It's changed who we are. It's made us new creatures the old is gone the new has come and so lord i i want to be found doing my duty i want us as a church to be found faithful to your message faithful to the mission that you've entrusted to us and so god during this time may we commit ourselves to you to your message to your mission God, that you would do this work in us, that we would be known, Lord, as a church that is sold out for taking the gospel to Knoxville and to the nations, that that's what people think of when they think of our fellowship. God, if there are anybody here today, if there's anyone here today who's never trusted in you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today that they would believe in this gospel and that they would receive this hope in their heart in this forgiveness, in this salvation, in this new life. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.